0: Success, it has been said, is not the absence of failure, but going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. This podcast was created to discuss the correlation between short-term failures and future success by those who have pushed themselves to become real powerhouses. Michael Jordan said, to learn to succeed, you must first learn to fail. And Mike Tyson said, discipline is doing what you hate to do, but nonetheless doing it like you love it. On this podcast, we celebrate those who were not afraid to fail by taking disciplined action on their path to success. My name is BJ. Gramillion and I am the host of the Real Powerhouse Podcast. I am someone who was very familiar with failure and am fascinated by others' imperfect journey to success. Welcome to the Real Powerhouse Podcast. Welcome to The Real Powerhouse Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Germillion. And today I have my friend, Travis Van Noy, who now lives in Utah and is a loan originator, uh, loan officer. uh, For which company is it, Travis?
1: First Colony Mortgage.
0: Okay, First Quality Mortgage. And uh, I know Travis actually from the college days and so- Go way back dating myself here uh it, <laughs> it's so crazy that you know um how long has that been so we left in what 2007 seven
1: yeah 2007 was uh well six 2006 fall of 2006 was when we met <clears throat> and yeah. then 2007 was when was when i left so yeah we are that was 17 years ago that buddy <laughs> Yeah, we are getting old bud um so
0: yeah no i've reached out to travis we've uh you know stayed in touch over the years and it's it's fun having you know him in uh the real estate industry so that we can talk a little bit about you know housing what's going on so we'll obviously get into that in the show but uh travis is just an all-around good dude and so um gonna be fun to learn about, you know, his story, his journey, how he got into, you know, his profession that he's in right now, and how he's been able to weather the storm. I think a lot of people are are gonna be curious, especially those listening that are loan originators, to see what you're doing to uh survive the storm because it feels like it's just been relentless now for the last 18 (laughs) months to 24 months with the fed doing their thing so interested to hear you know kind of how you've done that but uh before we get into all of that we would love to hear tell us travis uh who was travis before he became this incredible loan originator (laughs) father of now for four little boys. Hey, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself from your background.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, born and raised, well, not born, but raised in Reno, Nevada. Um, my formative years were, were, was then in McQueen high school. Um, after, after high school went to BYU, Idaho, that's where I met, met BJ and, and his wife, Alexis and my wife, McRae, we, we, uh, we were uh, bouncing back and forth from our, our apartments, and uh, yep. and uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, a lot of carefree times spent. And they were they were our wives were roommates for yep. a bit, yeah, yep, so exactly. We had to hang
0: out quite a bit. So yeah, funny story good actually, there. just real quick about that that you just <laughs> reminded me of actually, and it just hit me actually. <laughs> I remember my wife reminded me of this actually the uh, last night when I told her you were going to come on the show. She's like. You remember that time that uh, Travis, we had him drive my car and we sat in the back seat and just made out for like three hours <laughs> down to Utah? <laughs> that was like, that's a great memory. Yes, I do remember that. And he told totally me. Whatever even, it takes. Like, All right. Dude-
1: yeah. Whatever it takes for wagon. a free ride. Like, I don't even care what you're doing. I'm getting a free ride down to Provo. Like, those, that was oh, whatever it man. took to get out of Rexburg is what it
0: is. I not <laughs> believe we did that. <laughs> like, really? We did that?
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Keep going. <clears throat> no, that's funny. No, good, good times. Um, <laughs> so after that, served in LDS Mission in uh, South Carolina, Spanish-speaking. Um, still use my Spanish, Spanish today with, nice. with doing loans. So help, help, uh, you know, I'd probably say 10 to 15% of my loans are Spanish speakers. So that's pretty cool. So jealous. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, super, super grateful people to work with. Like I, they're people that I just, you just want to bend over back forward for, because they're, they're going to be loyal to work with you. They're going to be appreciative. And, and so just, yeah, I love, love yeah. working with the Hispanic group. Um, and so, yeah, after mission went to Southern Virginia university to live out my dream of playing a little bit of college basketball and, and, uh, played out there for two years and, and, uh, had a great time. Southern Virginia university is a really tiny school. It basically the backwoods of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the school or the the town had 3000 people in it, the school had maybe a thousand students in it um so if you know somebody that went there i probably during the same time i probably know them, um mm-hmm. and uh so really tight-knit community and uh, and won a little small college national championship that that uh I, really? I, I i yeah yeah dude won a little little national championship out there i've got a ring yeah, and i i hold it over natty yeah i got a, i got a ring that i hold over kyle's super bowl rings and I i did you didn't get a college one so <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> he yeah
0: he only wishes he only wishes
1: um so, so yeah for anyone
0: yeah. that didn't catch that reference we will bring up uh the elephant in the room van noy for anyone that saw <laughs> the last and i asked him beforehand i was like are you okay if we tell everyone just you know get this out of the way uh yeah. so travis's brother is kyle van noy who does play in the nfl still which funny enough i did not realize he was still playing uh because in the nfl if you're in your 30s you're ancient you're ancient and, um, yeah so I thought he was done, but uh, so he has two Super Bowls with the Patriots. Yep. Tom been to
1: three, game. one, two. Yep. Tom so Brady train. Man. Yeah. You were there for
0: the, were you there for the Atlanta game? Yep.
1: Oh I was God. there. That oh was, that was pure pandemonium being in the stands when, while that was going just just. People oh. running up and down the 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 stairs. People r- jumping up and down the seats. Just like it was, I've never experienced an atmosphere like that. Just halftime at halftime, people Patriot fans had their their uh, their heads and their faces and, and their hands, and just like just you could tell they were everyone was just depressed at halftime. All the Patriot sure. fans, and and so experiencing that and seeing that just complete turnover and it was like okay and you just you're like okay that's they scored cool that's awesome like i still think there's zero chance oh they scored again cool like that still i don't think this is going to happen and just everything had to fall into place perfectly at that game just unbelievable so i tell you yeah, what, that, that game was, was
0: on the opposite end of that because I cannot stand the Patriots. Oh, so <laughs> mad. When, yeah. they, when they started coming back, I, I think after they scored that second touchdown, I left. I was like, I've seen this. I know what happens. I am not going to be witness to this. And yeah. I seriously left. I didn't watch the rest of the game. And yeah. then I heard, yeah, sure enough, they pulled it off. I'm like, son of a gun, Tom Brady, you little punk he um, finds a way
1: it's yeah patriot being a patriots fan was an acquired taste so when he's done with the nfl i don't think i'll be a patriots fan but uh-huh. it was it was fun while it lasted
0: yeah yeah so and then so. i just found out he's now with baltimore uh because he's yep. actually having a pretty good little stretch right now with yeah yeah back. he's yeah.
1: he's had i think well he missed the first three games just because nobody picked him up and he was he was kind of thinking in the back of his mind okay maybe my career is over nobody wants me and and then baltimore snagged him three games into the season and i think he's had five or six sacks so he's he's uh leading the team from linebacker position and sacks even missing those first three games and and uh yeah his his story is is really interesting because he's got he was he's been undervalued underpaid and then he overperforms during the season which is really unfortunate like he's he's kind of He's every team he's been to. He's kind of been the top performer from his position, but been one of the lower pla lower paid players. Travis, um, why
0: are you not his agent?
1: What? Yeah, the, I know. Do we I need know. To yeah, talk to him? yeah. Man, I don't know. It's it's uh, a love-hate relationship there with that with that I'm guy. sure it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: what a weird profession to be sitting yeah. on the couch and then randomly get a call and say, "Hey, can you show up tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, we could use you and um yeah, go suit up and figure it out." yeah and I don't know. Like that's such an interesting sport and and just kind of another just funny story like and this is going to be memory lane for me guys so uh (laughs) this isn't like most podcasts um where we have this background um but travis invited us to his wedding and um and i remember you know we didn't know anyone really um and you know alexis and i i think we were just recently married and so we were just kind of like hanging out, and they set us up at some table with some random dude, and we just sat down and we we're just talking to him. Nice guy, uh, doesn't look anything. He's not big, not small, just kind of an average-looking normal guy, and and but super cool. Like we just were <coughs> picking it, an, and so and it's funny we talked for a long time, and doing, and then someone came up to him and was like, you know, hey, Mister Big Shot, hey, Mister, you know, because at the time he was he was actually suspended, I believe, during that year uh, at BYU. And then you know he was going to come back for for the next Mm -hmm. year to play for him, and and so we you know met him during that time, and and then I was like, wait, what? You know what what's going on? And then they filled me in. They're like, you didn't know? And I was like, no, I didn't know. I don't know anything about you know BYU
1: football, or I don't follow
0: BYU football. Why would I? Right?
1: Horrible. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) you know, I uh, anyways, you know, and, and then after that, of course, then the entire conversation turned to football. And so we, yeah. we hit it off and had a good time. And, and it was fun, though, because after that, I watched his season, you know, you mm-hmm. obviously did really well. And then I remember watching that draft and that was the first time I've ever watched an NFL draft where I knew someone that was going to you mm-hmm. know, be drafted and cool. it was such an intense experience for us. <laughs> so how was that for you? I'm, I'm curious, um, oh, what was it like Just, for draft day?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was, he was hopefully be a first rounder and, you know, everyone's there, the whole family's there, even extended family and close friends and, and it was, uh, <laughs> was, it's, it's stressful because you're sitting right next to him and and knowing he's got a million different things going through his mind like you know did I go hard enough is this the right decision should I be going is it is should I have waited you know all those those different um, ideas and and uh, and pretty disappointed um, it's it's um, it's torture that the NFL waits a whole other day between the first and the second round oh. because you know you know so many of those guys are just up late at night after the first round, not getting picked. And, and, uh, and so, and so, yeah, he got picked early in the second round and, and that was awesome. Super cool to, you know, hear the phone call and listen to the coach, talk to him. And, and, uh, you know, the, you see all the videos that people post of the family celebrations and stuff like that. And that was, that was, that's, that's how it all goes down. It's super exciting moment because, you know, he and I both grew up playing playing sports my dad was in parks and rec so he just my dad would throw us into every sport possible growing up and um teams were missing players he said oh well i got two sons that can show up type of situation and Mm -hmm. and um and so espn was on every single night you know that that whole Michael Jordan top ten highlight era of life in the '90s when that was all you did in the evenings was was uh, was watch the top ten before you go to bed, oh, and yeah. uh, and and so it was it was pretty sweet. The first time he he, he had a play uh, that made it to the ESPN top ten, I texted him like, man. Think of all those nights we had watching and, and, uh, you finally made it like that's, that was, that was the first moment where I was like, man, okay, this is the, this is gonna, this feels like it's gonna happen for him. And, and, uh, so and was that when yeah,
0: he was in at Detroit, Detroit that he got in the top 10?
1: No, he had, and the poinsettia bowl, um, if you mm. remember the San Diego state game, he had, he had a strip sack, he had an interception a strip sap strip sack and fumble recovery he had an interception pick six and basically single handedly turned the game around and won the game as a defensive player um and and so that was that was where he made top 10 i don't know what number he was but but well yeah when that happened it was it was the end of his junior year but um, just it was yeah just 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 cool just cool because you know he's my only sibling we grew up together every did everything together so it's just so fun to watch him and be a part of his, his, uh, his success. And, um, but no, I, I, uh, I'm super proud of him and happy. he's made an awesome career out of it. Yeah. Oh man. That's fun. Super cool. Okay. Let's, let's get
0: back to you. Um, so, you know, family of four and then tell me how, how did you get into the
1: mortgage industry? Um, so another BYU connection, I, uh, went to a byu notre dame football game while i was out at school in virginia uh mm-hmm. to watch kyle and met met a guy that was the owner of, of first colony mortgage while i was out there and uh told him i just graduated told him i was looking for a job and no offer or anything was made at that point in time um but i was <clears throat> i was at that point in time i was working at lowe's Uh, customer service Lowe's guy Mm -hmm. right out of college looking for something to do in that small town of Virginia. There were many job opportunities and, and, uh, and I talked to First Colony Mortgage, told him this is, you know, I, I told him I was looking for a job and, and it was, it was something that, that interests me. Um, and, um, it was, I feel like anybody that goes into real estate takes a pretty major leap of faith when they first get started. Um, and McRae, my wife, had uh, just finished nursing school, so we were gonna. Our idea was okay. Let's get this thing started off the ground. Um, she was gonna work. Our oldest was was about to be born. She finished. She passed her NCLEX, the nursing exam, in May. Brooks, our oldest, was born in July. She worked a lot during that first time while she had a newborn, and while I was both, well, we were both working during this time frame, and it was. Mm. Um, if you're a Dave Ramsey person, it was beans and rice, you know, type of <laughs> type of lifestyle at the beginning, and um, it took me six months to close close my first transaction, um, and that first transaction was a refinance with a guy that I home taught. There you go. (laughs) Friends and family—that's where it starts. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, just yeah, the first the first two years was just a little bit of a bumpy road, and um, was able to able to work with with a handful of of different builders. um, Started out with those those relationships and real realtor relationships, Um, and the. The one thing i really wanted to focus on talking to you about this and I just reflecting on the 10 year career I've had in this is, is, um, is I want to talk about loyalty, like loyalty in this business. Yeah. It can sometimes be one of the hardest things to find, like finding someone. And, and I think this goes off of what your, your whole business plan mm-hmm. is off of. I think that's, that's where I'm at in my mortgage career as well is, is you know i'm hustling i'm trying to find new deals always always trying to, to hustle mm-hmm. but if you can find your core group of people that you know are that trust you they're going to be loyal to you that are going to you know know that you're going to you're going to do a good job you're going to take care of them it's going to be a smooth process um then then that's that's really all you need i mean it's it's uh, because this business can get pretty cutthroat, especially this past year. This past year has just been there's there's been mortgage companies that have been that have been trying to undercut that are just taking pennies on a deal just to win the transaction, just to make a couple hundred bucks. And mm-hmm. and so the yeah, that that's that's been really, really a, a struggle this year is 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 uh, and, and, and you can feel it that there's there's a couple businesses and I'm just talking to other loan officers and realtors, there's, there's been, there's a handful of, of mortgage companies that are on the verge of saying now nah, where this isn't going to work, you know, closing their doors. Um, <clears throat> so, and I mentioned this before, before we started chatting, but builders, builders have been the main thing that have, have kept us afloat these last, this last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we have a love hate relationship with our friend, Jerome pal. Um, and, and he's, uh, he, 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 uh, he was our savior during 2020 and COVID (laughs) and then now he's trying to fix that whole problem. And it's, 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 uh, it's just been, been interesting to see how that's been managed and, um, I don't know. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, thoughts it really about is. Jerome. I mean,
0: yeah. It, it, like if you think about it, I mean their their job essentially really is to manipulate the market, and um, and mm-hmm. they do so obviously through the interest rate. And so you know, to Travis's point, yeah. Like in 2020, the reason why rates were two and a half, three and a half percent in that range was because. The Fed dropped the rate down to zero, you know, as most people know. And then they also, you know, were buying back mortgage-backed securities. And so yeah. it was a combination of those two things, really, that um, mm-hmm. fueled some of the lowest interest rates we've ever seen in our lifetime. Probably will ever see. Never again. Yeah. 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 Like it's just yeah. one of those perfect storms, similar to 2008, where I think a lot of people... Um, you know, they they look back on that time frame and think to themselves, "Hey, I'm going to wait for the next 2008." It's like mm-hmm. that's just like waiting for the next two and a half percent interest rate. Good
1: luck. Yep. Uh, yep. You're
0: going to be waiting a whole
1: long. Yeah. In I saw. Time. Yeah, I saw a picture of. Uh, I saw someone's uh, someone's porch for Halloween was a uh, a skeleton holding a cardboard sign that said, "I waited for interest rates to drop." <laughs> <laughs> and and, it's and so it's so, it's so true. true it's like you know it's it's you're right you're right it's probably that perfect storm's probably not going to come come back in our lifetime and um yeah. and the, and the we're, we're in a in a situation where it's still really low inventory and builders are still nervous to break ground and yeah. and so that that doesn't help our lack of inventory situation and then and then everyone that is in their starter home. That's now their forever home because they have a two or 3% interest rate. And, mm-hmm. um, yep. So, so that's, that's where, that's why builders have been, have been so big because the existing transactions aren't, aren't as plentiful as they they've been in, in the past. And, and so that's where majority of people are going because some pretty hefty incentives from the builders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, contractors builders the the big builders are are in business to make money they're not there to solve the inventory problem uh yeah. they're there to sell properties and so they're not going to do the same mistake that they did in 2008 they are very careful on the number of properties that they are building they typically don't break around until they have a contract uh, mm-hmm. if they do have you know any issues selling something they are master sellers right so they're the ones that uh, these resale people are competing with because uh, they're smart enough to market and say, hey, look, you know, we're going to do all these incentives to one buy downs, you know, interest rate buy downs, uh, sometimes forty, fifty thousand uh, $50,000 yep. worth of incentives that they're throwing at the interest rate just to make it affordable for people that are not able to do it. So, yeah, and, and I think historically, you know, we're at about double the the number of transactions of new build versus resale typically new Mm -hmm. build is like a 10 15 percent um portion of you know the number of properties that are sold in any given year whereas this year it is you know just completely wonky right now to your point Mm -hmm. where it is just these new contractors so um yeah tell us a little bit about like what what are you seeing with these new contractors what are they doing that maybe i guess you know people that are trying to sell
1: their home can learn from yeah, no, that's, that's great. It's uh it's, <clears throat> it's a situation where it's got to be a win-win and that's, that's, that's the different, a change of a mentality from, from the COVID years where it was, it was, I'll give you whatever you want, you know, mm. whatever price you name the price. That's basically what COVID was. Mm. And, and sellers now, if you're selling your existing house, it's got, you've, you've got to compromise. And, um, and it requires a, a win-win from both sides, both the buyer and the, and the seller. So what builders are doing that would be good is, is um, from an existing home standpoint is uh, I've seen one builder specifically said that <clears throat> they would do a long-term buy-down of the interest rate. They would do a 2-1 buy-down and they would also buy out the mortgage insurance. That's That is probably one of the, biggest incentives that I've seen um, wow. just okay. and that oh. was that was just in the last week that was released from one of the builders oh, we work man. with.
0: Yeah, that that's a lot of money when you add that yeah. up. Okay, so so to buy <clears> down from oh, let's say 1.1 one one, uh, or 100 basis points, how much yeah. is that typically on let's say your average median home out there is maybe what 500,000?
1: Yeah, I mean. let's say that's let's say that's probably <clears throat> that's probably ten ten thousand. Okay, I'd say roughly 10, there. Yeah. A 2 1 buy there. down
0: for those that you don't know and, and should become familiar with if you're looking to sell your home or if you're looking to buy a home, a 2 1 buy down is essentially, you know, where in the first year you have an interest rate that is 2% less than what you locked it in at. So if interest rates are at 7%, your first year it's at 5%, second year it goes to 6%, and then the third year it goes back up to 7%. You have to qualify. Mm-hmm. As if it was seven percent, you know, in order to get this type of a loan. Um, but for a two one in that scenario, five hundred thousand dollars home, uh, you know, conventional buyer, what is the cost of that for a two one buy down?
1: Yeah, I'd say that's that's roughly fifteen <clears> thousand, I would say. Okay, um, and then buying out the mortgage insurance. I mean, that's obviously dependent upon your scenario, loan program okay. that you're doing. But if you're doing, let's say, you have a seven twenty credit score and you're putting down five percent um that would probably be another five ish five to seven thousand dollars in and buying out the mortgage insurance so your that that scenario is is yeah 35 ish Mm -hmm. crazy in in the value so um and i mean it's also interesting to see how much margin these builders have to work with you know like i didn't i didn't know they they have this this much wiggle room i mean they're taking the biggest risk so they, yeah. uh, they have the biggest you know the lion's share on the profit, but it's, uh, it, and it also goes to show that they, they don't want anything that resembles 2008 to happen ever again. They're, they're willing to be the first, the first to go in and say, Hey, we'll offer this, you know, they, they want to lead lead that instead of being the last one saying, okay, fine, we'll lower the price. Yep. Yeah. You know, they want to yeah. lead that, that, and, uh, and not be the last one to the party. Um, and so and it's
0: that also i would assume keeps the the price uh inflated it it shows that uh-huh. hey we still sold the home for you know yep. this price but yeah it doesn't show that you know they gave thirty five thousand, forty mm-hmm. thousand dollars incentives that yeah. you don't really see you know as a consumer on zillow or whatever you're looking at that and being like hey they still are able to sell it for what they listed mm-hmm. for. Them. Um, and it's just another way. And then I think this also goes to show and you probably are having these conversations all the time now with, you know, people that are looking to buy. And I have this conversation often, you know, with, with investors where, um, they, they tend to look at the price, right. As the most important thing. Um, and what we try to educate them on is really, it's about the monthly payment, you know? And so, uh, it's much better. A lot of times to, to spend that $10,000 to buy your interest rate down a point, versus getting a ten thousand dollar reduction on the actual purchase so Mm -hmm. tell us about that what are you seeing you know is is that right Curious what your thoughts are
1: yeah no i i would you know in the perfect world where we all have millions of dollars and we can buy a home cash then yeah that doesn't make the most sense but in in uh reality it's uh it's that you know you're in that five to twenty percent down range is the typical buyer right and and uh and so and so, as far as and yeah, that that's definitely and that's definitely the the conversation that realtors are having, that lenders are having with their with their clients is is because from a client's perspective and from a consumer's perspective, that's the first thing that they think of, right? Is that is the price, um, and so, and so yeah, so at ten thousand, let's just say if we use that same five hundred thousand dollar example, let's say we drop the price ten thousand dollars. In that situation, your monthly payment's going to drop by maybe. 50 bucks a month um if you use that ten thousand dollars let's say you could use it a combination of things you use it for buying out your mortgage insurance and lowering your interest rate if you use it for those two things that could be that can be a two hundred dollar drop in your monthly payment so it's um and especially especially if this is a, a longer term home the overall value of that lower monthly payment, if you have an extra $200 to play with every month, that um, can be used for your the $12 dozen eggs that you're paying for, you know, whatever it is, that's that that extra $200 a month can be used to be reinvested somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's different different ways to use that. So that's that's the the value difference about 150 bucks in that scenario, if you just use it to, to ask for a seller concession. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that that's been something that we've been pushing as home sellers is just saying, Hey, look, let, let me help you guys understand that there is an education piece and component to it. Cause I think mm-hmm. you can still tell people, Hey, look, you can still get an interest rate in year one. If you do a two one buy down, um, mm-hmm. in the fives, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think people are like, wait, no, that, that doesn't exist. And you're like, no, you really could. Um, you know, uh, so don't get fixated so much on the price. There's a lot more to it if you're financing mm-hmm. a property. So, right. I'm, you know, I'm I'm curious, and I, and I know that you probably look at this every single day, you know, for hours a day, trying to figure out where the market's headed, where, where are things going to be? And so, you know, I think 2023 for uh, the most part's cooked. We're uh, toward the end of the year. Um, I think it surprised a lot of us, the fact that interest rates got up to, eight percent and that you know the rate cuts did not occur uh this year so curious what your thoughts are for uh 2024 what what do you think and what's your crystal ball telling you
1: yeah yeah no i think um well just the feds in their most recent meeting they just announced that they paused rate hikes mm-hmm. um and I mean, they left the gate open a little bit that if they could keep raising high uh, this next next month, they could continue with another rate hike. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest the biggest thing that's that the factor that the feds are looking at right now is unemployment. Um, that's that's, I think, the biggest ticker or the gauge as far as where the economy is at. Um, and so. My my prediction next year is I think spring summertime is when they'll start maybe either just keeping things as you know not not raising or or lowering interest rates mm-hmm. uh, maybe towards the summertime of next year start slowly lowering interest rates um, also with next year uh, being an election year there's always some political shenanigans that like to happen during, during election years, just in the the 10 years of doing this and just watching the, the track record of election years, there seems to be a drop in interest rates. Um, and, and my overall opinion is if rates are in the fives or maybe even low sixes, that will get people to feel like, okay, this is doable. Um, and, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily back to the races unless rates drop to the fours or something crazy like that. But Um, and we're not going to see crazy multiple offer situations um, like covid unless they drop to the fours but if we're in the in the sixes or the fives i think it's a manageable number that could get some people that are in their first home in their condo or in their town home that want to move up um, and can get first-time home buyers to make it feel like it's a little bit more affordable and yeah. in all honesty we don't want them to have crazy appreciation like we had 2020 2021 that is not a stable market and and if we're having the two to five percent appreciation and consistent transactions both in the new construction and the existing markets i think we'll um that will be a happy place for the market to be at and we don't we don't want any whammies you know we don't want any we don't want crazy we don't want war we don't want anything like anything like that to to derail, derail us, and, and I think I think there's there's still so much pent up demand that's waiting, and and uh, and I think that once once we get a little bit of more relief, I mean once once interest rates hit eight <clears throat> percent, just in this last week, yeah, it's been it's been the quickest drop in interest rates in a week span in ten years. Whoa. From the mortgage world, so we, we dropped almost three quarters of a percent in interest rates <clears throat> within a week's time frame, mm-hmm. and that and that I mean the, the thought behind that is is that looks like that could be our ceiling, um, and so I think that's those are my those are my thoughts. We'll see we'll see how this next yeah, year goes.
0: I'm- you know i don't think we disagree on a lot of what you said i do think uh psychologically to be honest with you i think that eight percent was probably a good thing um yeah. i think that people needed to see that number to help reset their expectations because you know when the first uh interest rate started occurring i think that and it, and it got up in the fives i think everyone was like oh i'm never gonna buy a home never yeah yep. at least and i even did a survey just with you know my, my facebook group one time and I asked them, at what interest rate would you buy at? And over 70% of them, I believe, were under 5% is the only way they would buy a home. And then, you know, obviously, interest rates went up to the sixes and then into the sevens. And then I think that when it hit the eight, um, they did another survey where they said uh, John Burns uh, is an economist. And he did a survey and he said the magic number was five and a half percent where everyone was saying that if it was a five and a half, I would make the decision to, to buy or sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was about a year ago. A uh, little under it was that beginning of this year, and so I'm curious to see now. Now that it hit eight percent. That mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I do think that the magic number is probably more like six percent, mm-hmm. um, where people are going to start waking up and being like, "Hey, look, you know, it's not going to get much lower than this. We just got to accept this is kind of where mm-hmm. these are at." So,
1: yeah. The funny thing is, it's all relative, right? There's there's yeah, millennials, like millennials, that. and Gen Zers that have that have been. Coddled for the last ten years. That's all they that, know. Yeah all all they know. I mean, all, all they that's know. All they, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah it's it's really really interesting to see the psychological side of it because because yeah it's 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 really funny. That's funny that you had that that poll because anyone someone would give their left leg to have a five percent interest rate right now. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just funny. It would. Yeah. Like yeah they, they just all are like five percent are you kidding me that's yeah. so unreasonable yeah so again goes to the point of don't time the market and uh yeah. don't think that you're going to sit around wait around i can't tell you how many people i've talked to that thought they were going to time the market and missed out on 50 percent gains right and, mm-hmm. and so you just got to be careful about that they do have that saying i'm sure that you use all the time where it's you know marry the asset the rate yeah um, and so that's obviously become very popular uh <laughs> country, I'm sure, but um uh, there's yeah. a lot of truth to it and so yeah um, We're having to dust off all these uh you know exotic loan products like the two one right like i mean i didn't know what that Mm -hmm. was until now it's commonplace for the most part but um yeah yeah, like a lot of these things have been around (coughs) forever it's just we didn't
1: need Mm them great for a three and a half so yeah and then then the other part of it too just from an investor standpoint and the overall market right now is it's still even though the market yeah is is tricky banks and investors are not easing up on their guidelines, which Mm -hmm. I think is exactly what we want for a healthy market. Mm -hmm. You know, that we don't want them to say, okay, yeah, we'll go up to a 60% debt to income ratio. And yeah, yeah, we're, that's, if, if, you know, if we start seeing things like that and stated income and all the crap that happened in 2008, Mm -hmm. um, coming back, that's when you should start getting nervous. Um, but we're in a healthy spot. Yeah.
0: We just are <clears throat> it's not a credit crisis and so people that think 2008 mm-hmm. you're wrong and i'm just going to tell you over and over again you're you're wrong mm-hmm. and uh it's not it's just not going to happen the Im- like all the things that occurred then it oh. is literally just flip it around it mm-hmm. is night and day difference it's just it's a different every crash is different so you're not going to see that again but it there will be a mm-hmm. crash i don't know what
1: it looked like but anyways, yeah the, the other thing that i was reading was was when for every half of a percent that interest rates drop, another million buyers enter the market. Right. And so yeah. it's it's uh, and that's that I think just goes to show if, they, if there is a drastic change. If you're going to wait for that, then you're going to be paying a higher price for a lower interest rate. So what are you what are you giving up? What are you what's no, what makes what's what's worth it to you?
0: I could not agree more. And it's really interesting right now because, again, it's psychological. Everything is psychological, people. There's a herd mentality that just look at COVID. Um, that definitely mm-hmm. showed you everything you need to know about the herd mentality, but, yep. um, you know, it's the same thing in, in, investing. And it's been this way for a long time when, you know, uh, all of a sudden something happens, takes off like uh, Bitcoin, for example. Sure. If you were one of the first ones that got into it, you know, you're crushing it and, and, uh, you know, it's worth 300% more than what you paid for it, but most people don't get into it until everyone else is already in Yeah, it. by that yep. point you you've missed the boat and so mm-hmm. it's the same thing in in home what i've noticed right now at least in, in the chattanooga market out here um we now are essentially when people counter our offer prices because we're still buying homes you know very actively right now for our investors and so we're one of the very few people that are currently buying because typically it's seasonal people don't buy in the winter months mm-hmm. and so it's interesting though because right now i've noticed that we're kind of I I don't want to be in a position where I'm negotiating against myself. And so what I've noticed is, uh, and there's very few times when this occurs, and when it does occur, take advantage of it, where you have leverage. And so right now we have leverage because there's just no one else. Everyone else is waiting to figure out what's going to happen with the market. And while they're doing that, there's deals to be had. There's people that have to move. They have to relocate. They have to sell their home, Uh, death, divorce, all those things still occur. And so, you know, if, if you're just there at the right time, right place, and you offer a disciplined offer, we don't negotiate. We're not coming up. We don't need to. And it's Mm -hmm. funny. Sure enough. We've had so many people recently come back to us and say, okay, I'll take your original offer. You know, like they they kept trying to negotiate. And we're like, no, no, I think we're fine. This is what we want to pay. This is where we feel comfortable. And it's been interesting to have that leverage because it's been so long that I've You know, as of the last three, four years, it feels like, you know, you were begging to find a seller that would give you their home, you know, and Mm -hmm. you were in line with 10 other people. So there's that component too. So Absolutely. anyway that was a lot about the the housing uh <clears throat> I don't want to bore people too much so <laughs> yeah. um Trav, let's let, let's kind of get back in into uh so typically what I what I like to do at the end of the podcast is just ask everyone these three questions and so uh would love to get your feedback on them um but the first one is uh what are uh, a, a podcast or a book that you've been listening to or reading this year that's
1: impacted you that's made a big difference Um, well, I'm not a super avid, avid reader, but I did read a book that just a couple months ago that, that I, I loved. And and this is probably one that a majority of people have read, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, slow to the train there, but it was, but it was, it was really, really impactful. Really interesting, uh, was, was shoe dog, um, just the story of, uh, Phil Knight and, and Nike and. And it was just a lot of, a lot of those, those uh, motivational entrepreneurial books are, are kind of, they're, they're, in all honesty, a lot of them are kind of boring. Um, yeah. but this one is a page turner, like just the struggles he went through, the, the issues that he had and, and, uh, the times where he wanted to quit, and, um, his, his, uh, his story is pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so I loved, I loved that book. It was just, yeah, I, I finished it in, in a week just cause I was so into it. Yep. Just a good yep. one.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, definitely, uh, would support you on that one. So yeah. cool. Um, okay. If you can go back, uh, 10 years, you know, well, let's say, you know, going back to when your career First started, which was about ten years ago. It sounds like so. Um, mm-hmm. If you could go back ten years uh, to your younger self, what would you tell yourself then? Like, uh, what's what's a piece of advice you would give yourself?
1: Uh, I think going back to the my initial point of loyalty is is don't don't spin your wheels with people that aren't going to reciprocate and people that aren't going to um, that aren't going to value your time. Um, and, and I think, I think if you, if I, if I had done that initially, I would have, I would have been able to kind of cut ties with a few relationships that were, that weren't, that weren't very, that weren't, the relationships weren't built on the, on the right things. I feel like if, if, uh, if you're building a relationship, that's all pure transactional, um, that's probably not going to be a very long relationship. Um, it's if you're gonna if you give me this, I'll give you that type of relationship, then that' I just don't think there's there's much longevity with that. and and I've noticed that that the, that the people that I have real true relationships with, and um, I you know it's it's uh, from a loyalty standpoint it's it's definitely helped helped with with my business and my personal life and and uh, that's what I would tell myself for yeah. sure
0: yeah it's so interesting to, to look at that and i think when you first start out in any industry you take anything you can get you will take yeah one that has a pulse right and you just yeah. get so excited and then um over time you realize you know what like and that, that's why when we have our property management company now i don't know how many do this but we uh we will fire clients uh you know not often but there will come a point where it's like look you know you are way you just don't fit of what we're looking to build here right Mm -hmm. and so it's not that you're a bad person it's it's just it is what it is like we just need to uh you know part ways amicably and and really there is that addition by subtraction i've noticed that so (laughs) much in my life there's just certain people and things that just suck because then you start doing inventory and you're like okay this person has now called me six times this week and they're not making any more money than the, these guys over here that have 10 times the number of properties and I never hear mm-hmm. from them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you start to realize, hey, those just aren't the type of people that are right for me right now yeah. in this point in my business. And so correct, um, it's an interesting thing to learn. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, did you have a, I guess this would be the last question. Did you have an experience that was like an aha moment uh, that, that it sounds like you had something in your past, in your career, where it was like a pivotal moment where you're like, hey, you know, this oil thing is is super important. I'm just curious to be had. Like yeah,
1: that. it's yeah. uh, yeah. There's probably there's there's two relationships that I had initially that that were, I mean, just just purely based on, hey, if you spend this much money on me, then I'll give you this. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you spend, it like like for example, it was with with spending money on Zillow leads when I first started, and that mm-hmm. was that was uh seemed obviously for for ten years ago is everyone thought it was the the greatest thing ever and uh, yeah and we spent spent lots of money on that and and uh when when you know I was, I was at the point where like this doesn't this doesn't make sense anymore yeah um the 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 realtor that I was working with was like okay then I'll move on to the next person that will pay for it yeah. and and so I was like hmm you know I thought we had like it felt like we had a good relationship that and and so working with people that value your time and value your knowledge and that that they know and 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 sometimes those those realtors come back because they they see the value of actually getting a deal closed on time and actually getting a deal um uh, you know that the what the when the pre approval is done it's going to it's a solid pre-approval there they're going to be able to close like those the value of that. Um, I think some people, some of the realtors I worked with initially didn't see that. And, and, uh, and so it was all about if, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back and I'll, if you pay this, I'll, you then I'll send you business. And, and so yeah, I had, I had two, two relationships like, like that, that went south after I was like, you know, this isn't working. You know, and, and then they said, okay, sayonara. Um, Man yeah so. and that's
0: that's such a good lesson to learn it really is and and it's for me it was more of uh and, and i think this everyone does come to this realization at some point where uh when things get rough or difficult or you know when the music stops and the money stops flowing uh a lot of times that's when you start to realize like oh okay like this was more transactional based or you know uh-huh. and it was um yeah like personal and so um no i think that's a that's a great piece of advice that um yeah people need to
1: yeah and you know i I think some i mean some people are purely business minded and i get that and i i understand that but me personally and my personality i like to i like to have real relationships with people like i like I, i like to know people outside of what you know what their settlement deadlines are on their contract like i like to know what they're they really like to do and get to know them on another level where um i think i think that that bodes well in situations where I'm, you know, I'm getting a phone call at nine o'clock at night and if I have a really strong relationship with that person, yeah, I'll, I'll bend over backwards for you. I'll help you out. You know, I, you know, we've, we've built this rapport and, and, uh, and so I, uh, you know, I've got a, a handful of realtors that are that are that way with me and it's, and it, it makes, it makes my, um, my work life balance a lot better. You yeah. know, it makes it makes it so um, and you know, I tell McCray, oh, this person's calling me. She said, Oh, yeah, no, that's I don't I understand. Like, that's a, you know, I know that's that's an important person that's worthy yeah. of, you know, our time. And mm-hmm. and uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been a realization of that, which, you know, obviously, I wish I could still work with those other people, but it uh, it just wasn't wasn't the right fit at the time. And yeah, you just got to move on. Look, to look forward, not backward.
0: Yeah, no, I I love that advice, and it is interesting. I have noticed that, and it, it's the rule of eighty twenty has always been applicable. Where it's you know the twenty percent that you work with generate eighty percent of the revenue, mm-hmm. um, and it's just this eternal law principle in nature that is it's everywhere. It's in every business, and and so it is important to know. Okay, what are what is that 20% and how do I get more of that? You know, so that I can, you know, generate, you know, more and more uh, income mm-hmm. relationships, deeper relationships and people that just drive yep. better with me because we all have uh-huh. a time. So yep. Yep. great point, man. This is fun. Uh yeah. this is why I love having a podcast, just because it gives me an excuse. <laughs> I don't golf. I don't play about ba- you know, I really don't play basketball anymore uh as much as I'd like Sad. to it really is sad um but you know this is kind of like my excuse to to hang out and uh you know get get to rekindle and and talk about those uh awesome relationships that i've had over the years so um travis appreciate you coming on man this has been fun
1: yeah happy to be here thanks for having me all right good luck in tennessee hey hey, thank you i appreciate it (laughs) we'll see you
0: Thank you for making us a part of your day. I hope you feel more inspired to push through your short-term failures as you work on becoming a true powerhouse. If you enjoyed listening to the show and feel others would benefit from listening as well, please take a couple of minutes to rate, and review the show, and make sure to share the link with others. See you next week.